Mark chapter 16, we will be in verses 1 through 8. I'll read and I'll pray, and then we'll see what Jesus has to say to his church today. Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're in this place, we read your word, we invite your spirit to come and teach us, to lead us, to speak to us, Lord. We come on this Resurrection Sunday to remember that the tomb is empty, that he is risen, but we also believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are here. Lord, you are present among us, within us, empowering us. And Lord, it's you that we want to celebrate today. It's the the power of the resurrection, the power of life, the power over death. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would open our minds, our ears, our hearts to receive what you have to teach us today. And Lord, I pray that we would encounter you. And God, I pray that you would give your people hope, hope in Christ, hope in the resurrection. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Years ago, it was recommended to me to read a book that some of you may have read called Who Moved My Cheese? Anybody? Yeah, okay, some of you. Uh, Who Moved My Cheese? It's, It's an allegory about mice in a maze. And these mice have been conditioned every day, to find cheese in the exact same location, day in and day out. But one day, these mice wake up, and someone has the audacity to move their cheese. One mouse goes to the spot where the cheese always was. It's always been here, and it's empty. And he starts brooding, he's angry, he's frustrated, just lamenting, and then, and then he's fearful. What if he never eats cheese again? He might never eat cheese again, and he stays in that place and is just frustrated. And the other mouse, the other mouse comes and sees the place empty and immediately moves on to go find other cheese, new cheese. And eventually, while the other mouse is starving and brooding in anger, the other mouse, he finds cheese and starts living his best life in this new cheese spot. He's as happy as can be. It's a simple story and encouragement on how to respond to change, even even tragic change in life. 
Change can either crush you and defeat you, or it can be an opportunity to find new cheese, to find maybe better cheese. The only difference, according to the book, is how you respond. The only difference between starving and, and, and living life is how you respond to change. But these last several years have been more than moved cheese. And you are significantly more than mice. But life is not the same as it once was. Maybe you're here and your faith is not the same as it once was. Because you look at the world and the world is not the same as it once was. And while many would long to make the world go back to normal. Or or to hurry up so that we can find our new normal. I believe the scriptures call us to something greater than normal. I want to call you today to something greater than normal. I want to call you to hope. I want to call us to a hope that many of us may have never experienced before. Because the hope that I want for us is a hope that transcends this world. It's a hope that rises above our brokenness. It rises above our frailty. It rises above the ebbing tides of our circumstances, of comforts and convenience. It's a brilliant, bright, shining hope in a world that looks dark. It's a living hope in a world of decay. This is what Jesus invites you to today. This is what Jesus is inviting all of us today. Inviting us to hope that in Christ there is hope. No matter what happens in the world, in Jesus, there is always hope. G.K. Chesterton, whose generation experienced both world wars, the Spanish flu pandemic, as well as the Great Depression, all in a period of about 30 years, wrote concerning this kind of hope. Chesterton said, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. See, every generation experiences its collective hardships and challenges. And some generations have experienced greater hardships than others. But within these incredibly dark seasons, there are beautiful, bright, shining examples of hope. And I just wonder who will be ours? Who will be our examples of hope? And how will that hope come upon us? How will that hope come upon these examples? See, this Easter Sunday, I want to call our attention to the women in our text. The text that we just read, because they, like us, are in desperate need of hope when all their hopes had come under attack. See, just days before this scene, they had watched their hopes die. All of their hopes for salvation, all of their hopes for their future, all of their hopes to deliver them from Roman oppression, they had put on Jesus and they had seen Jesus nailed to the cross. They had hoped he would be the one to save them from their enemies, and yet he is crucified by that very foe. 
And they had followed and they'd watched him. They saw him die on the cross. They saw him be taken down from the cross. They saw him be put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. They saw the stone be rolled and covered the entrance of that grave. They saw it all happen on Friday night. And in this text that we read, it picks up on Sunday morning. But can you imagine their yesterday? Can you imagine the Saturday that these women had? I know many of you, and I know many of you, that you you don't have to wonder. Some of you don't have to imagine what this Saturday was like. If you've received a difficult medical diagnosis for yourself or for someone that you love, you know this yesterday. If you've lost a loved one too soon and you've watched their dreams, the hopes that you had for them just vanish before your eyes, you know what this Saturday was like. Maybe you've come home to an empty house because your spouse has packed up and moved on. You know. You know the pain of the next morning when you wake up and you feel like all the air has been sucked from your lungs. You know it. See, these women are still reeling. They're still mourning their shattered dreams. They're still mourning their hopes. And so they wake up on Sunday morning and we're told that they get a bunch of spices and they take spices to the tomb. What's the deal with the spices? They, They didn't expect the resurrection. They didn't expect to go to the tomb, even though Jesus had told them that he was going to rise from the dead, they didn't, they didn't know what that meant. And so they get these spices and they go to the tomb. Why? When my family first moved into our home in Carpinteria, something had gotten into our heating duct and died. And our house for more than a week just smelled like death. So what do we do? We, we lit candles, right? We diffused essential oils. We made our house smell like a Hallmark store. If a Hallmark store had had a rat crawl into it and die. Right? We, we bring in all of the stuff to cover up the stench. See, these women know they're not expecting a resurrection. What they're expecting is that in a couple of days, that body in that tomb is going to start to stink. Their hopes are crushed. They're not expecting a resurrection. They're expecting decay. They're expecting death to hold its full weight and corrode the one they love. And so they go to cover up the stench of decay. And so I think we can identify. I think we can continue to identify with these ladies. Because when when our hopes are dashed, when our dreams come to an end, when we're discouraged and disappointed, sometimes the best we can do is cover up the stink through amusement, through entertainment, through distracting ourselves, through self-medicating, whatever it may be, it's just covering up the stink. And it's like potpourri in a public restroom. You walk in and you're like, is that roses I smell? Nope. You You know what you're sniffing. See, many people live life just spraying air freshener all over everything. Maybe that's who Jesus has been to you. 
Just a little spritz of Jesus to make life smell a little better. Just live in the easy, Febreze faith. Don't be shocked that that kind of faith has no power. It's just covering up the stink. See, Jesus didn't come to just make our lives a little better. He came to raise your life from the dead. And today I believe he wants to raise your faith from the dead. And give you hope. And give you life. When your world is darkest, the resurrection of Jesus Christ can shine on you like the sun into the dark places in your life and bring life and hope and light. See, these women, they come to cover up the stench. And they look in the tomb. And in their darkest hour, when hope had been lost, these women hear an announcement of hope. They come in, they see the angel on the right side of the tomb, dressed in glowing white. And he says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And like these women, many of us are here today seeking Jesus. Maybe some of you have never trusted in him, but you, you've heard that he can help. You need hope. And you've heard that people have found hope in Jesus. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and, and, and you've been discouraged. You've been disappointed. You feel defeated. And so you're here today to give Jesus just one more chance. Because if you're honest, all of the, ho- the, 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 the discouragement, the hopes dashed, the frustration, the pain that you've been experiencing in life, you're, you're tempted to put on Jesus. It's not just that you're disappointed, but you've been disappointed by Jesus. You thought that it would be better than this. And so you're here today giving Jesus one more chance and praying that he doesn't let you down again. And so this Easter morning, we're all in need of an announcement of hope. We need to hear the good news of hope. And so like these women, we're invited to peer into the empty tomb. Through this text, we're invited to look into that empty tomb and see that he is risen. See, this empty tomb, I'll be honest with you, in my seasons of doubt, in my seasons of discouragement, in my seasons where life is difficult, I often come back to the empty tomb. I have to come back to the empty tomb. And the empty tomb is not just some some story. The empty tomb of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. Do you know that in the early church, the, the, the church experienced all kinds of opposition from the Romans and from the Jewish leaders for various reasons? And it always came back to the empty tomb. Do you know that nobody denied the empty tomb? Not the Romans, not the Jewish leaders. No one denied the empty tomb. No one has written about, oh no, the tomb wasn't really empty. They all made stories about how the tomb got empty. It wasn't a denial of the empty tomb. It was, it was trying to figure out how it would have gotten empty. And so they said, well, clearly the disciples came and stole the body. Well, I mean, there was Roman guards. 
there. The, there's the there's the stone. Oh, there's the fact that they all died for what would have then been a lie. No, anyone who has knows anything about the psychology of of lies knows that eventually, when it comes to torture and death, twelve dudes don't die for what they knew was a lie. But I also want to call us to something that's actually in our text, evidence that is, that is probably some of the best evidence for the reality of the empty tomb there is. And that is the fact that if the disciples were making this up, if they were making up this story, they would not have women be the first eyewitnesses. I'm not even joking. As sad as it is, a woman's testimony in ancient Rome was not valid in a court of law. It means nothing. If they were making this up, they certainly would have written it differently. I have to come back to this often and remember that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is risen. And if Jesus has risen from the dead, then there is hope. There is hope. These women are heroes of faith. They're heroes of hope because God chose to reveal to them first the glory of the resurrection so that you could receive for yourself the good news that he is risen. The tomb is empty. And this is good news because no matter what we have encountered or what we will encounter in life or in death, there is hope because Jesus is alive. Hope is alive. In the darkest hour when, when, when all hope is lost, hope is raised from the dead. And the promise of this good news is that through faith, Jesus' resurrection life lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit if you believe. This doesn't mean that Jesus makes all of our circumstances beautiful, makes life easy, makes everything sweet and, and good. But in our darkest hours, it means that Jesus gives us hope. This is why the apostle Paul, who suffered unimaginably for his belief in the resurrection, can say in 2 Corinthians 4, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is the good news of Easter, that we have a living hope and our living hope is not circumstantial. Remember, hope cannot be circumstantial. Otherwise, it's not hope. It's just, it's optimism. It's just trying to look on the bright side of things. And if that's what you're after, then go for it. If what you want is circumstantial optimism, then chase it. If what you want is pleasure, pursue it. Pursue your dreams and then see how even the best dreams you can dream for yourself are only a leash in the hands of this world. And though they may be pleasant for a while, it's just with one tug, as you all know, can drive our faces into the dirt. If we're living for our own dreams, our own dreams only, pleasant circumstances only, then all it takes is what we've experienced in these last two years to have it all taken. 
But the resurrection of Jesus Christ breaks that chain of even our best dreams and sets us free to receive what Jesus has for his people. Then the hope that rises above our circumstances and gives us freedom. It is this living hope. Now I know, I know on Easter Sunday, in a place like this, that some of you might be thinking, this all sounds nice. I've heard this before. I've done this before and nothing changed. Or I've done this before and things got worse. I've tried believing in Jesus. Jesus didn't work for me. Or maybe you're thinking it sounds too good to be true. Some of you may be thinking, but I don't know what's on the other side of faith. I don't, I don't know if I believe if I, if I really, truly give Jesus my all, I, I don't know what's on the other side of this. And that, that's a little scary. Well, I think we can identify with the women in our text again. Because they run away from the good news with fear. Such a strange ending to the passage. People running away terrified. You see, in the same way that we're invited to identify with the women in their discouragement and the way that we're invited to identify with the women as they peer into the empty tomb and as they hear the announcement of good news, we are also invited into the overwhelming awe of what this could mean. Though they hear the good news, yet they had not yet seen the resurrected Lord. This passage ends before they actually see the resurrected Christ face to face. And so you, like the women, you have now heard a declaration of good news. You have heard an announcement of hope, and you have not yet seen the risen Lord face to face. I have not yet seen the risen Lord face to face. We all stand in this tension where this passage ends. Now, Jesus would eventually appear to these women and to the rest of the disciples before he ascended into heaven. He would appear to the two Marys and to Salome. But in the meantime, they're waiting for the appearance of Christ. And we are waiting for the appearance of Christ when he will return the same way that he ascended. And we are seeing him face to face for the first time. But until that day, the author does not want you to just read about the experience. Mark doesn't want you to just read about the experience that these women had or the experience that Gabby shared with us earlier or the experience of the person that you came with. Doesn't just want you to experience it through the eyes of another person. Maybe the reason you're on the fence or the reason your faith lacks hope is because, or lacks this divine power is because the good news is simply words on a page. I think for many of us, the good news is, is just words on a page. We read the Bible and we go, yeah, I can understand why this would be treated as good news, but I feel so disconnected from it. It feels so distant from me. But I don't want us to merely encounter the resurrected Jesus in the story of the women or in the story of any others. I believe that Jesus wants us to experience this living hope and wants us to experience the power of the resurrection for ourselves. I believe that you can experience the power of the resurrection in your life 
in your heart and according to within your own story. I believe that God is inviting us today to encounter the resurrected Jesus for ourselves by putting our faith in Jesus, by putting our trust in Jesus, by putting our hope in Jesus as the one who died for this broken world and was raised from the dead for its healing. You will experience the power and the peace of God's presence. The Bible says that upon believing the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will live in you and raise your life and your hope from the dead. This Holy Spirit is the down payment, Scripture says. You can clap for the Holy Spirit. This is Easter. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of God's presence. The the presence that we're longing for. The experience that we're waiting for, that we desire to have in the heavenly realm, or we desire to have when Christ returns, that presence, that power, that experience in that intimacy with him, the Holy Spirit is a down payment. The Holy Spirit is that down payment that lets us know that because I have received him in this way, the presence of Jesus in this way, I have experienced the power. I know his presence. I know his intimacy. I know his love because the love of the Father has been poured out into my heart by the Holy Spirit who he has given us. Because of that, I know that I will see him face to face. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of the presence of God, the down payment for the eternity that we have the down payment of the hope that we need. We need this kind of Holy Spirit hope. We need this kind of living hope. We can look for hope to other things and we know they disappoint, but in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, hope has come alive. Hope has come alive and today you are invited to put your hope in Jesus. And the word of God says that hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so whether you have never believed, whether you have always believed, whether you've been spending time distant, away from the Lord, away from the presence of the body of Christ, wherever you are, today you can leave here knowing that you have hope in Christ. And not only hope, but you can experience the love of God and leave here knowing that Jesus is alive. And you can leave here knowing that no matter what comes in life or in death, that there is hope, that you can have hope. Wherever you're at, Whatever you got going on in life, whatever you got going on today, whatever's going on in in your heart right now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is present. He is among us. He is leading and and, and placing on your heart. Maybe maybe questions. Maybe maybe there's 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 a drawing, whatever it may be. Maybe you need to respond to the good news and 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 just tell God today, I believe. Jesus, I believe that you have raised from the dead. And because of what you have done, I believe that by the Holy Spirit, that your life can be my life. Maybe you're here today and you've believed for a long time, but there's this place in your life that you're just lacking hope. You're lacking power. You're lacking that divine power of the Holy Spirit to breathe life into a particular circumstance. Whatever it may be, 
I believe that many here today need to respond to the message of hope. And I remember the first time I heard the gospel. I remember the first time I heard the good news of what Jesus had done for me. And I remember sitting there thinking during the sermon, going, God, how do I, yes, how do I want this? How? Tell me how. What do I do? How do I receive this? Yes, God, save me from my sin. Yes, God, save me from hell. Yes, Lord, save me. I believe, but I don't know what to do. And for me, on that day, the pastor invited me to something that really was important. He invited me to respond physically the way my heart was leaning. To take that step of faith, to put, to put into practice what was in my heart. And so I just want to ask you today, whether it's receiving Christ for the first time, or you just need new hope. Would you stand? It says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one person repents more than a thousand who don't need to. Can we celebrate? If you would remain standing, I want to close us in in prayer. I'm going to invite the, the band to come back on stage. I'm going to close us in prayer, but I want to pray for you specifically who have responded in this way. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you that when death had been undefeated, Jesus now wears the belt. Jesus has risen from the grave. And God, we want to invite the Holy Spirit to those who have responded in this way who want this fresh filling of hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come upon them and give them hope? Give them life, give them hope, fill them with love and power and peace. And God, I don't know what's going on in in the lives of each of these particular individuals. But God, I thank you that they can leave here knowing that in Jesus' name, they have hope and they have life and they have a future. And so, God, we love you. We believe that you are risen. And we believe that by the power of the resurrection that we too will live. And I want to pray also that as we leave this place today, the hope that we have, the light that you've shown into our hearts would cause us to be these examples of hope in a dark world so that people would know that Jesus truly is that beautiful, that Jesus truly is that good, that he truly is that wonderful and that powerful and that they too can have hope in believing. So we lift up your name. We lift up our voices. We rejoice in God, our Savior. May the rest of our time together, Lord, be a celebration. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.